Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you were with us uh, last week, whether online or in person, you may have noticed that our gospel reading for this morning continues on in the gospel of John in the sixth chapter, basically picking up where we left off. Um, and one of the things that I like to do, and I think it's helpful, is to recap the kind of the context of what's going on in the story. All of you live very busy lives. My week was busier than I expected, and so it's helpful to kind of catch us up, remember, reminder what's going on. Um, I like to think of it how, you know, when you're watching Netflix and they give you like that one to two minute preview of what happened in the last episode, just like a refresher, a reminder. And since you're not binge watching sermons here, you know, this refresher is a little more helpful. So, <clears throat> Here we go. Last Sunday, you heard the story of the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 on the side of a mountain. And all the people were so amazed by this miracle, they were taught that not only are they fed in the first course, they're fed with the leftovers. And they were so amazed that they wanted to make Jesus their king. Well, that was not part of Jesus' plans. So he departs from them, but they didn't know it. So they're wondering, where is Jesus? Will the people go out and find Jesus? Will they simply remember the miracle and move on? Find out right now. Uh, as you might have noticed, that was my recap voice, and that's why I'm a pastor and not working doing voiceovers in Hollywood, so forgive me for that. But there's that large crowd, right? These people who just were fed by Jesus, over 5,000 on the side of the mountain that day. And now they're looking for him because when they wake up, he's not there. And they go down to the water and they see that there's only one boat there. They know that he's not in town. So it's like, where did Jesus go? And it's interesting because as readers here, we all know that last week, Jesus did leave. He left at night with his disciples. He walked on the water to them and then they sailed out. But the people there don't know that this crowd is looking for him. Of course, still trying to make him king. So they go and they set out in their boats and sail across the sea. And eventually, they do end up finding Jesus. And uh, the way that John's gospel is written is there's a lot of back and forth. It's like having a conversation. We hear how the people talk to Jesus and what he says back to them, right? And that's what we get this morning. The people find Jesus there, and they go to him and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus immediately answers them and says, truly, truly, I know. You did not seek me. You are not coming to find me because of the sign that I did. You're coming to find me because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not be satisfied by the food that perishes, but rather the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has placed his seal. In this conversation here, Jesus gets right at the heart of what's going on with these people. See, uh, they were going to Jesus for one reason, but Jesus knows what's going on. They're not going to him for his signs. Instead, they were filled. They ate and they were filled, right? We heard that all throughout the story last week. And uh, interestingly, that word filled can be translated either to be full or to be satisfied. So these people ate until they were satisfied. But Jesus tells them, don't be satisfied by the wrong thing. And I think that word satisfied is real interesting, particularly in our text and even in our lives today. Because on the one hand, the word satisfied, particularly in referring to food and drink, is a good thing. I'd like to think we've all felt that way before. Like uh, after a long hot day when you finally get inside and you get a nice cold glass of water. Mm, 
It's, it's satisfying, right? Or uh, when you've been waiting at a restaurant for a long time and they finally bring out that fresh bread. Oh, yeah, we heard the, look at that. You heard the yum. Mm. It's satisfying when you get that bread, right? And those are good things. We relate to that. It's a good feeling. But I think far more often in our lives, when we hear that word satisfied, it doesn't come with positive feelings or connotations. We think about it more often in a negative way. Uh, he listened to these words from a musical that aired uh, last year uh, on Disney. It says this, you're like me, I'm never satisfied. Is that right? I have never been satisfied. My name is Angelica Schuyler, Alexander Hamilton. Where's your family from? Unimportant. There's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait. Just you wait. Uh, these lyrics, of course, are from the musical Hamilton, which aired on Broadway a while ago. And as you know, I've used it a few different times in my sermons now, so at least I like it. Uh, but they're from a song in the musical called Satisfied. And if you listen to the entire song, you'll learn that at the heart of this song is the reality. It's a conversation and a song between Alexander Hamilton and his future sister-in-law and how they will never be satisfied with their lives. In fact, that's how the song ends, uh, with Angelica saying, he will never be satisfied, I will never be satisfied. And, and it's interesting because you can get that sense when you hear those words from Alexander. These few lines here, when she asks him, where's his family from? And he says, unimportant. There's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait. Just you wait. And that sets the stage for just the rest of Hamilton's life. Essentially... He was never satisfied. He was never going to be satisfied. That's not how he wanted to think of his life, as satisfied. <laughs> and I think we all get that feeling. We understand what it's like not to be satisfied. I mean, uh, think about sports, right? Y'all know how much I love sports. But if you just break it down to the most basic example, everyone is playing for some side of title or championship, and then once it's over, either you're popping the champagne and celebrating, or you're simply moving on because the season's over. And the reality is you are not satisfied. Go improve, get better, and win it next year. Or uh, you've heard me use this example before, but when you think about like your phone, right? A new phone comes out, you're like, oh yeah, I got this new phone, it's really cool, I love it. You're satisfied with it. A month later, a better phone comes out, an upgraded phone. You weren't paying attention when Apple released that news, right? So now, that new phone comes out and you're like, oh, I wish I had that one. I really want that new one, even though you have a month-old phone. You're never really satisfied. And I mean, you can use that example, that analogy in a lot of different ways, right? Uh, your car, your house, your job, just sometimes our lives in general. Uh, the reality is that satisfaction has become more of a marketing tool than something that we actually desire. And I think it's because so often in our lives, we are looking for satisfaction in things that will eventually pass away. You see, uh, satisfaction is something that we are constantly chasing, right? Uh, the next new thing, the next big thing, just the next thing. Something that we've told ourselves will satisfy us, whatever that might look like, that will fill us up, so to speak. And even when we get that thing, even if it satisfies us, it never lasts as long as we want. It's only but for a moment until we are looking for something else to satisfy us. 
And I think this speaks more to a deeper condition, something going on that has actually taken us back to the beginning of the story. And not the one we heard this morning, but the beginning of everything. So when you go back to, to Adam and Eve, you think about this reality that they were given everything that God gave to them. I mean, they were given everything that they could have asked for, right? And yet, the one thing that they couldn't have, it seemingly led to them being unsatisfied. God would have given them anything they asked for except for that one thing, and yet that is the one thing that causes them to lose their satisfaction, that their pursuit of being satisfied costs them everything, almost everything. And I think that is still why we struggle today, that this pursuit of being satisfied that is different for everyone still causes us to look for satisfaction in the things that are going to pass away. I mean, just listen to what the people in the story are looking for. See, when they come to Jesus, after he calls them out, they go to him and they want more, right? Jesus tells them, uh, they ask him, what should we do? How do we do the work of the Lord? And Jesus tells them, do the work of the Lord by believing in the one whom the Lord has sent. And they say, okay, so what are you going to do? Prove it, right? I mean, it's interesting because what they're really doing here is they're connecting this word from Jesus all the way back to their ancestors. They're going back in time to when Moses fed their families for over 40 years in the wilderness. You heard them say, God gave them bread from heaven. Well, listen, 5,000, five loaves, two fish, pretty cool for one day, but it's not 40 years. What else are you going to do? What more will you do to prove, to satisfy us? What are you searching for? Uh, what are you looking for to satisfy you? I mean, doesn't this sound just like what we say to one another? Desire more. Do better. Don't settle. Don't stop. Keep going. We say these things to each other, and uh, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Let me be clear. It's good to work hard. It's good to want more for yourself, to want to improve in life. All of those things can be good things. But when you are constantly chasing something to satisfy you, I can promise you that nothing on this earth will do it. Nothing will satisfy you. Everything that you chase on this earth will leave you empty except for the one who came to satisfy. And his words this morning are this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's Jesus. Right? I mean, as I was writing this and reading this story again, it kind of dawned on me like it's so obvious that it's Jesus. I mean, I'm sure all of you already knew that was coming. There's no punchline here. It is Jesus. But how often do we hear that promise and then just kind of move on from it? Jesus says here, you will never be hungry, you will never be thirsty. Guys, I don't know, but I've never thought about not being hungry. But that's the promise that Jesus makes this morning. That you will never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty when you come to him. And I think it's because we lose sight of what that looks like in our lives. That we often think about the here and now. What is satisfying me right now? And when Jesus speaks, he's speaking not only now, but into eternity. 
See, when we focus on what's going on here and now, sometimes we're reminded of that satisfaction. Sometimes we're reminded of how we are satisfied in this life with the daily bread that he provides for us and how he provides with the leftovers. But Jesus is always doing something more. He's working not only to satisfy us now, but to satisfy us into eternity. And that changes everything. Because instead of looking for something that will temporarily satisfy us, we know that we have been promised something that will satisfy us forever. You know, as you walked in this morning, I'm sure you all noticed that you hopped on board the Rocky Railway, that we are preparing for Vacation Bible School this week. And there's a theme, a central theme. If you look at some of the posters, you'll see it. Jesus' power pulls us through. And all week, we are going to talk about the power of Jesus and what the power of Jesus looks like in our lives. The volunteers, the teachers, the adults, we're all hearing it. I can't wait to sing about it. But we're going to hear about that power of Jesus, the power that only Jesus has. And I couldn't help but realize how fitting it is that this morning we hear about that power once again. The power to feed, both in the first course and the leftovers, and the power to satisfy. Satisfy us here and now with our daily bread, and satisfy us into eternity. Putting the future on the forefront of our minds, not so that we may be concerned, but instead that we may be satisfied, knowing what Jesus has promised to us. And so my hope and prayer for all of you in today and tomorrow and every day beyond that is that when you are looking to be satisfied, you look to Jesus and know that he has satisfied you with his death and his resurrection, and he will satisfy you every time you go looking for him. He is the bread of life. Those who believe in him will never hunger. They will never thirst. This is his promise to me and to you. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.